Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for hockey and basketball and much more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Welcome everyone to the PJ's Cast. I'm your host, Pierce, alongside of my good co-host, Jimmy and Schmitty, but making a second appearance on the PJ's Cast is Mitch Brown. How's it going, Mitch? Not too bad. Jimmy, Pierce, Dylan, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty well, you know. It's it's an honor, you know. It's it's so great that you would help out such a sh- small show like the Hockey PDO cast, and then jump on a huge, <laughs> well-known show, marquee show like the podcast. So we, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the little guy, like Dmitry Filipovich. You know. So you said you spent uh, 50 minutes debating about Tanner Malindic. Uh So we're gonna we're gonna jump right into the questions here. Um, two two players that were highly ranked at the beginning of the year, consensus top 10 picks: Dalibor Daborski and Braden Yeager. They've kind of they are different players, but they kind of had the same year where there was there was some hype about them potentially even sneaking in the top five. But when you look, they've really dropped over the course of the year and i'm just wondering where you are at at them and what you think of them as players and what their ceilings could be so i haven't seen divorce in league play uh i'm still learning about 300 guys in north america so if i do ever complete that i will get to him and i can, i will answer that question i'll message you but as for brady yeager he's a very interesting player like he he's a pretty complex projection because you're evaluating him largely to do the exact same things that he does in junior in the nhl and if you're confident, you don't think that anything is going to drop off. And he's just going to keep scoring goals, keep killing penalties as effectively, keep not really being a play driver, but he's going to score enough goals that it's not going to matter. And past history shows that generally when players step up levels, they lose components of their game. And with the way Jaeger has played this season, I don't know how much more he can lose. So that's the main challenge. You're trying to figure out does or were the flashes of playmaking early in the season from Jaeger really what his game is going to become in the future. You also have to contextualize Moose Jaw. They, everyone there has kind of stagnated a little bit this season, and him being more of like a give-and-go, off-puck guy, when your teammates haven't taken a big step up, it's hard for you also to take a big step up. So that's kind of where I'm at with Jaeger. I can see an argument for him top 15. You value shooting, you value penalty kill ability for reasons that I don't fully understand, but you do you. You value those things. He's a top 15 guy in this draft. If you want more of a dynamic player, that's probably not him. Coming into the season, I thought he was kind of like Dylan Gunther 2.0, and then now I don't think he's as much of a play driver, puck carrier, or even much as a playmaker as Gunther. And so even though the shooting skill is a little bit higher, the projection in my eyes at this stage, again, very early in the process still, is not quite as optimistic. Yeah, when I when I watch Braden Yeager play, like when you when you want a center, you want projectability, you want him carrying the puck, and it just felt like a lot of the times where Braden Yeager's a bit of a passenger. He's got a tremendous shot. I don't think anyone's gonna knock him on that, but just not enough play driving. And as and when you're a center, I want to see you moving pucks and transition and making plays, and just not just not a whole lot of that from what I've seen from Braden Yeager. Um. So my next question is regarding the US NTDP. There's three players 
Will Smith, Oliver Moore, and Ryan Leonard. Who do you think is the best player of those of that trio? Because I've seen a lot of them rank closely together. Who do you think has, I guess, the highest upside or whatever of those three players? So for me, I think the debate right now is between Ryan Leonard and Oliver Moore. I think Will Smith is a couple of them. Um, I can't wait to be wrong in the future for whatever reason, because that's usually how it goes with the national team development program. But I just wrote an article on uh, EP Ringside. I watched the development program eight times in USHL competition. And Oliver Moore, obviously, don't think there's much debate. He has the best tools of any player in the program. The skating is borderline elite already. The edges, the way that he can stop, start, accelerate, the puck skills are almost at the same level. Like you see all sorts of this like crazy in motion stuff. Like he goes, he's like inside crossovers and like one hand backhand touch under a guy's stick recovered on the other side. But it, a lot of it is like really functional speed too. So like he'll accelerate, skate into a defender's space, which is to prepare the cutback. So he creates that distance between him and the defender. And then he's able to attack the middle. His underlying results are also the best with the program. Leonard is... Very interesting. Leonard is very toolsy. He's explosive. He's quite quick. You see the shot, which is just, it's electrifying the way that he can adapt his shot to under pressure. He can combine it with a deke to the middle. He can, he can combine it inside crossover strides, whatever. He's got that inside leg release, outside leg release. He's an absolute menace to play against. Like this man is probably just terrifying. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near him on the rank. Like he's just running dudes in the boards as hard as possible, chasing them down, talking to them after he hits them. And then, and then he just like mugs someone in the corner after you're like, dude, what are you doing? And so, yeah, I, I honestly, he's, he's a very entertaining watch. Like the power forward upside is, is, uh, is really, is really there. Like power forward is kind of like a dying, term but man with him it's in full force i think it really comes down to like i think it really comes down to the playmaking with him like how much playmaking does he have will kind of dictate and i think in open ice you see it but under pressure it's more of him just like trying to bulldoze his way through and then will smith uh he's kind of your classic national team development program star uh kind of like a lowish pace guy but not necessarily slow he's more about you know, manipulating guys, throwing pucks into the right areas. He also makes a lot of blind plays. He can be careless, but a large part of that is just the environment allows it. The NTDP always has a guy like this who's just like rifling pucks out of the corner. And you're like, well, what is that? What is he doing? And then one of them connects and you're like, oh, okay, I see why. I see why he's trying that backhand 360 spitting pass over and over again. Um, I've been pretty, I've been pretty cold on though. Like in my eight viewings, only two of them were good. Like, most of them, he was just kind of a guy on his line. Perot was clearly the player driver. Leonard flashed more. Leonard flashed the higher-end skill. Of course, with, with Smith, you're also getting, though, this guy who understands, like, how to play the modern NHL game as a playmaker. He doesn't really try to rush plays forward. He'll delay, stop in space, cut back, find the trailer, or he'll stop and then hit that through pass through two, three guys. He's very creative, very inventive, and I think even though he's – not at this stage a good defensive player i think he's intelligent like i think as the pressure amp ramps up as he goes higher and higher levels he'll learn how to take that extra stride more he'll learn how to close distance and defense could probably become a strength just because he's so smart about where to be on the ice at all times but i mean they're all all three of them are probably top 10 guys it's a very exciting development program class and that's not even mentioning perot beckett hendrickson austin bernovic like there's so much talent here Oh yeah. It's it like people just always seem to think of like 2019 where they were just loaded with first rounders, but the talent in this one, it I, I'm not going to say it stacks, but like these kids have their strengths too. And like, and like, like you said, uh, a guy who's been a real high riser for me the last month or so is Oliver Moore. Now that I've watched more tape on him, like his tool set, that's, that's something that can translate to the NHL level. I'm not saying immediately, but whenever his uh, development allows it, like, that's a guy I could see being an NHL, like a could not just an NHL player, but like a top six NHL player if he gets put in the right system. What do you think of Morris' defense? I, I, I need to see more personally, but like that's Pierce knows. I'm like I'm the type of guy where like I if you could play both ways in junior or you could play both ways down low and translate it as your development continues, you're like you're gonna fall you're gonna fall or um if you're gonna fall on the good side with a lot of your coaches in development. So if he can. I don't know. Like, 
I like his stick checking to an extent, but like I just need to see a little more because like if you can round that off, I think he's just a that's a that's a like you said like a hit top ten prospect in the draft if you hit on all of his strengths. Um, yeah, his defense is going to be kind of an interesting one because all the tools are in place, right? It's not just the skating, but like his backtracking, the way that he takes roots, gets his leg in front of the opponents to win positioning, his timing, but. Sometimes you don't really see it all come together. I think that could be part of the structure. You know, the NTDP plays pretty loose, and it's USHL competition. Like, let's be honest here. No one can skate in that league. They could just uh, they could just do whatever they want on that on the program. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be interesting to see how he develops. You know, this is, as they come back, it's mostly a USHL schedule to close up the season, and that's really where players kind of start to find their game and their footing a little bit more. And I think – with more, I'm really hoping to see that defense take the next step because that's how a lot of his offense starts. He's very good at getting that loose puck down in his own zone, bringing it up the middle, give and go, get the puck, tack wide, bring it to the inside, get a chance. So he gets more of that. He's going to get more goals for sure. For sure. Um, I guess I had a question ma- mainly about maybe not this draft, but the last year's draft. Who is having maybe like a like a D plus one year that isn't getting talked about enough? Like I know Jordan Dumas is lighting it up in the OHL and whatnot, but like is there a name that um maybe got drafted last year that isn't getting enough recognition for how good of a year they're having this year? Well, how deep do you want to go? Sure. I mean we're talking first rounders. Do we want to go late round guys? Uh yeah, we got some late round guys. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> All right, so I think I think the first guy who's really stood out to me is Vincenzo Roar, Montreal Canadiens prospect. I mean, I think at this point it's well established that this guy loves violence. He's <laughs> always in the thick of it, throwing reverse hits, very involved in the play. His playmaking has really taken a big step this season. For him, it's really going to come down to like developing that kind of in-motion ability. He's very aggressive, very confident, but he doesn't really have that ability to like move the puck through a defender while his feet are moving to be able to attack the inside. Well, well, to be able to attack the inside. Sorry, my voice, my brain is starting to turn to mush here. Uh, <laughs> And so I think I think that's been really exciting to see him kind of figure out like, okay, if I do this thing, then the defender is going to do that. And then that means that I can then attack the inside. And so just figuring out how to do that at a higher pace. And I think Montreal has an NHL there. Of course, Joshua Philman. I can't say enough good things about this guy. He's even taller now. He's six foot three, listed at 160. He's so awkward skating out there, even still. <laughs> but he scores a lot of goals. Like and he, it's not even like it's not even like he's just firing everything on net. This guy will have three, three, three shots in an entire game, all three of them high danger chances. And it's like, okay, okay, we need to take a step back here and figure out how he's doing this. And it's largely because a he knows how to get open off the puck to an extremely high level. He's not just standing in front of the net. He's moving in and around guys, engaging. He grabs their stick, then pushes off them just as the puck comes through. He's very good at following up rebounds. And as awkward as he is, those hands and tight, pretty nasty. He's able to like reach around guys, poke the puck through them. And his underlying results are very strong this season. He's having one of the best expected goal seasons I've ever tracked. Uh, the defense transition, you know, he, he works hard, and but Swift Current isn't a great environment for either of those things. And so I also think the long-term potential as he gets stronger, adds more weight that skein is going to improve. And then suddenly you're going to see a lot more of that net front skill, a lot more of that one-timer skill be able to translate to off-the-rush scoring chances, and he's going to be able to break down defenders. It's long-term with him, but it's exciting. And then the last guy is Ben Hammerling, uh, Vegas. I wasn't a huge fan of him. I thought he was mostly kind of like a junior playmaker kind of guy who burst wide and puts the puck back into the slot like oh whatever whatever i didn't need to say i i instantly i saw him like six seven times and i was like i don't i don't i think i understood it here wrong i was very wrong i did not understand what he was at all and i apologize to ben and the entire everett silver tips team and his family for being so wrong about this because he rules this guy. <laughs> this guy is great he's plus level four checker plus level playmaker He's incredible at getting the puck off the boards on a team that is, like, Everett is the best team in the CHL, even after moving Zellweger, at controlling play in the offensive zone. They, even still, they'll be losing a game like 6-1, and they'll just randomly have a two-minute shift where they're just dominating an entire team. Top team. Because of guys like Ben Hammerling, who knows how to win the puck and then instantly knows the next option. He knows when to cut back. He knows when to pass. He knows when to drive the net. 
And so that board skill is so exciting. It's so electrifying. You bring some defense, some transition. He's tracking to be a real nice mid-round or late-round five for the Vegas Golden Knights. Looks like a solid third-line forward in a couple of years. For sure. And I feel like that's a that's a trait with a lot of the young players that doesn't get talked about a lot. Like, if you can work on the walls well, then yeah. that translates usually very well. Like, uh, a guy who, like, I don't know if I would say does the same, but, like, the way he worked in tight a while back. Like, I remember when Chaz Lucius came out a couple years ago. It was like, okay, he may not have it all figured out, but his strengths – those are going to translate if you can hone in on the strengths. And like, like you said, if he, if he can work on the walls like that and find the next guy and keep play going and almost like maintain a cycle with ease, that's, that's the kind of stuff that's going to translate when he goes, when he ends up maybe going to Henderson or whenever he, if he by a chance makes it up to Vegas in a couple of years. But like you said, long trajectory for these guys, but it's nice to see them, you know, some guys have bigger years that are, that were late round picks and people were probably just like, Oh, it's just a nothing pick. No, it's not. These guys are actually developing extremely well. I think more specifically, it's like being able to get the puck off the wall, not just extending the cycle, right? Like that's the more valuable skill uh, in the NHL. Of course, being able to continue the cycle is very important. You want to be able to keep possession, obviously, but being able to create offense out of the cycle is very challenging. Like this is something that the Leafs have learned kind of a hard lesson. Everyone was like, Oh, the least defense, defense grit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, they need to be able to get the puck off the boards in the offensive end and create situations. It's why they drafted Minton. It's why they drafted Nyes. Nyes is a skilled bull. This yep. man is like <laughs> a bull with tap dancing shoes. He mm-hmm. he just goes in there, boom, 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 runs through a guy, skates straight to the middle, chant, boom. That's what he's there to do. Tank. Michael Bunting, that's what he does. You know, these are guys who get the puck off the boards instantaneously. They have the skill to be able to create. They have the sp- they have the skill to be able to finish. So that's a very, very important thing. And this year's draft, some guys come to mind who are very, very good at that. Uh, Grayson Souchin of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Little guy, very creative, loves to get to the inside. Uh, great forechecker. He's like, uh, uh, he's, he's, he's really exciting. Um, Ryan Leonard, of course, Oliver Moore, both of those guys really, really shine at that. And then there's one name who is completely escaping me. So I am trying to use this to buy time. Oh, it's Zach Benson. Yes, it's always <laughs> Zach Benson. Anytime the answer is Zach Benson. I love I love this. Zach Benson, best defensive stick in the entire CHL. One of the best guys and in instantly turning the, that stick work into offense. You know, he's going to play in the NHL. We can talk about, is he going to be dynamic enough to be a top line scorer? He's going to be a top six guy no matter what happens to Yeah, it's always yeah. foot speed, too. It's like he's not fast enough. It's like, well, Cole Perfetti couldn't skate either, and he's doing just fine right now. Or couldn't yeah. skate elite, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Alex Dabrink has never been that fast, but he's uh, he's all right. Yeah, Dabrinkit, Dabrinkit is also another good example of like a little guy who understands how to leverage opponents, like kind of get underneath them and then spin to the inside at the right moment. Mm-hmm. Benson is that. I think with Benson, it's more of like the – it's not so much the speed as more it is the weight shift because he's very, his base is very narrow when he comes in that guy. So like, you can't really like you push off one leg and really explode across like other top end guys. So the way that he's able to manipulate opponents has to be much more fast twitch and then quick pass rather than actually like using it to deke through them. Like he already does that in the WHL. Like he knows that he's limited in that way. You saw that highlight real goal from him last weekend. That's not what he does. He doesn't even try that the vast majority of games. This game is, his game is quick little move, pass through the guy, reposition, get open, plays an NHL game, has NHL skills, is a genius, very good along the boards. You know, yeah, I love Zach Benson. And He's going to make it seem very happy in July, oh, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Him and Kristall, like, Kristall is probably going to go too late. And mm-hmm. and it's just going to be like, how how did, how did this guy who's like 1.8 points per game in the WHL go like 13th overall? It's insane. Like Pierce, Pierce has been really high on Crystal since like October. So like, I've just watched the season he's had. I'm like, I, it's hard to not look at him and be like, you could see top ten talent there just with the amount of points he's putting up. It's top five. Yeah, top five. Like he's, yeah. he's lighting them up. It's insane. And if it was any other year, he'd probably be the talk of the town in the WHL. Or if he was like three inches taller. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's who. Like, he, he does have some junior habits. Like, he does sometimes just have games where he's glued to the outside and he can't, like, really get to the middle and he's just, like, throwing blind passes. But he, he, those will get weeded out with time. Past, like, I did a draft retrospective series. I watched 59 players of various qualities and then wrote about the standout ones. And pretty consistently, the theme, even for guys who don't even get close to making it, is 
the bad plays, the ones that don't work, get weeded out as they advance levels because they are high-end athletes. They are elite athletes. They are generally they generally have a good understanding of like, oh, turnover bad. Don't do turnover. Do other thing that isn't turnover. They weed out the bad stuff. They get better at the things that they that are the strong plays. And I think Crystal is going to enjoy that same development curve that we've seen from so many players. And honestly, if if Crystal has like that drop in the draft, it might benefit him because he'll just get put in a better organization, probably. So yes. he'll just get put with more help when he gets to the NHL instead of you know maybe getting stuck on like Chicago or Columbus and you have no. <laughs> so, I I his game is like really interesting to me though. Like I, every time I see it and find Kelowna highlights, he's just all over the place. It's... Now, you say Crystal wouldn't uh, do well in Chicago. I'm just thinking of him and Frank Nazar potentially playing <laughs> together. You know, oh, yeah. Forgot it. I, I have this weird hot take where I'm just thinking, like, man, you know what would rule? Clayton Keller and Connor Bedard on the same line. That would be sick. And I'm like, do I really want to see him in Arizona? But I do really <laughs> want to see Clayton Keller and Connor Bedard on the same line. Hot take, oh, trade Clayton Keller to Anaheim, and then we fix it. Then you go <laughs> anywhere but Arizona. Because <laughs> yeah. it nothing makes me more frustrated than knowing that there's like a 15% chance or something of Connor Bedard playing in front of 4,000 fans for the next three years, which he plays I, in front of more fans in junior. Like, it's uh, ridiculous. Dude, the whole Scotiabank Saladome sold out for Connor Bedard. That's how big of a household name he's in Canada right now, like, because of the World Juniors. Like, er, everyone knew Connor Bedard was good, but, like, the World Juniors just put him on a whole different level where he's, like, everyone knows him across Canada. And, and I'm not sure Arizona's uh, in that uh, group of places. Uh, <laughs> It's like, oh, we could put him in all these great markets, and like, or we could put him in a great Canadian market. Let's put him in Arizona. They need to rig the lottery. It'll be the second time the Connor Bedard lottery has been rigged. Let's go. <laughs> this is conspiracy theory time right here. Here we go. <laughs> hey, listen, if Batman really wants to rig it, he knows the only place that's going to make money is Chicago. So I'm just going to say it straight up. <laughs> My favorite phenomenon that was ongoing was Regina wasn't. Like I think they, I think they've hit three sellouts in a row now. But for the rest of the season, they haven't sold out any of their games. And it's like Same. you have Connor Bedard and Tanner Howell's not bad either. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're okay. They're not a good team, but they but are fun. fun. Yeah. They are fun for <laughs> like even for junior hockey standards, they are fun. And then you add in Connor Bedard, like it's kind of ridiculous, right? That like he goes to different provinces and they're selling out. But in Regina, they're like yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, he's getting used to it to when he's in Arizona. It's fine. Like, <laughs> he's, he's getting used to it. Oh, you, 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 you got to get used to playing in front of no one, kid. It's going to be like that for a while. Like, oh, and then when you get drafted by a California team, they'll blame traffic. It's fine. Don't worry. Which, they're not wrong, but... Like, I remember back in the playoffs when Anaheim fans, like, everyone gave them crap because they had, like, a half-filled arena in the playoffs. And it's like, guys, do you even know how L.A. traffic works? It's like, I don't care. Like, simply get off work earlier. <laughs> I would just drive faster. I would just drive faster. Exactly. But, um, I, I actually, I'm curious. if you So, like you said, your hot take was uh, Keller and Bedard. But, like, if you could pick a location for him to land right now, what would, like, because I think, like, out of, like, best fit it'd probably be anaheim or columbus because just because they actually have some talent already there but i'm just curious as to where you would maybe see like your preference point of where bedard should land i will have to look up the nhl standings because i have no <laughs> idea where anyone is ranked right now other than that arizona is bad yeah it's... this is what happens when you're a prospect guy and you have to know like 30 <laughs> leagues instead of one um Jeez. the bottom uh, five is San Jose, Arizona, Anaheim, Chicago, and Columbus. That's highest to points to lowest to points. All right. Well, let's let's just kick Chicago into, like, the sun. Let's just, like, <laughs> let's just get rid of them. Full stop. Uh, Arizona, again, Clayton Keller, I can't, I can't shake that. The Logan Cooley one would be fun, too, although it might just be Connor Medard getting increasingly angry because Logan Cooley is just, like, throwing him no-look spitting pass. And he's like, man, I'm right here. Just... Just, just hit me. I'm, I'm putting it through your legs. <laughs> yeah. So San Jose would be kind of fun just because I would like to see him like at a true kind of rebuilding from the ground up kind of situation, see what he can do there. Uh, Columbus would be cool just because it's Columbus, right? I think everyone kind of wants Columbus to have a little bit of success. And on top of that, they – like Johnny Gaudreau, they got some fun pieces in there. Wawenski. Ken Johnson. Yeah, like it, it would be really cool to see 
especially because they're clearly trying to build like a modern team. It would be really, it would be really cool to see him in that. Uh, Montreal would be kind of cool. Them pucks as well. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Montreal would be kind of cool, although I don't know if they deserve it after their behavior over the last couple of years. Well, knowing them, they just take like uh, Leo Carlson first overall. So don't worry about it. They'll be <laughs> Ryan Leonard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Vancouver would be no. Vancouver also. Vancouver is bad. Bad behavior. They don't. They don't deserve it. Vancouver's yeah. um, bad. Don't know yeah, they're they're not allowed to have good things. No, absolutely not. No, I need Vancouver to actually go on a five game win streak so they fuck up their draft stock more. That's what that. That's what I. That's what I need. They put Spencer Martin on waivers today, guys, so they must be trying to win. Uh, who has Who has Florida's pick? Oh, Montreal. 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 Oh, that would that would be funny. That would be really funny. Oh no! <laughs> so Montreal's got one and two from Florida, and then. <laughs> oh, jeez. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going from where Florida was last year? You hire Paul Maurice. You you lose your top scorer. Uh, yeah. Well, you, no, I shouldn't say that part. That doesn't matter. But you get Paul Maurice. That's really all it is. And then you you lose your best defensive <laughs> defenseman too. Like. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're they're a yeah. they're a tire fire. What about Ottawa? Ottawa would be kind of cool, no? Yeah, yeah I mean that he would be like the last piece of the forward court too. If like that top nine, Smith and get a real coach in there, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that that is exactly it. Connor Bedard only signs his entry level contract if DJ's out. That's that's the new stipulation. You know it's bad when their whole top six has more power play points than five on five points. Like they just have <laughs> five on five. It's terrible. Blake Batherson is the definition of a power play merchant. It is, and he takes the Brinkett's power play goals, dude. It's a load of crap. Like, oh, and then they sit there and they go, "I don't know why this DeBrinket guy's not scoring for us." It's like I don't know, guys. He usually is getting no, top looks on the. Play. I see Hawks fans are like saying, "Oh, well, you know, maybe maybe DeBrinket was the power, you know, a Petra Kane, you know, like beneficiary." If you watch this thing a lot of Senators game, you know exactly why that man isn't producing. He's not in a position to do so. Still scoring. Okay, how much is Patrick Kane scoring without DeBrinket? Is the question. He's got thirty. Five and forty-five, or thirty-six and forty-five, or something. Yeah, like that. Awesome. 30, Thirty. I went on Elite Prospects. Check out EliteProspects.com and subscribe to EP Premium and EPRankset.com. Um, <laughs> he has thirty-five and forty-eight. So I, I, I know what. You know what? No, this is this is. I think Patrick Kane was leeching off Alex to Brinkin, and it's time that the truth came out. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not with, He's also playing with Plumber, so yeah. he's playing with Jason Dickinson and Tyler Johnson right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, but guys, he's point a game. So, like, Tyler he's Johnson. He, and yeah, he's, he's got the highest, or Tyler Johnson is the highest like points per sixty on the team. It's stupid, and it's like. <laughs> team is such a tire fire. It's hilarious. This this team this the fact that there are worse teams than the Chicago in the NHL is astounding. No, and that's the problem. Like no one wants to talk about it. Chicago was trying to tank, so it's okay that they stink. Columbus genuinely was not trying to suck this year, wow. and they that's suck worse. Because uh, they have really no goals in the NHL. Like, yeah, like, they, they bought, well, they spent a four times four on Branson, so that'll do it for you. <laughs> like, like they uh, bought Johnny Gaudreau. They drafted all these guys. Like, all the kids started coming up. They got all. I mean, I, I guess they have injuries galore. Like, Rowenski's out six months or whatever. That that you're not going to win with that, but still, <laughs> it's it's just crazy how bad some of these teams are. I want to know where he ends up. That's the question. Toronto. Oh, or Edmonton, one of those teams. No, that's Sam Lafferty, Pierce. Come on now. Why not both? Oh, God. Are both your first round picks for both players, I say. I really like the whiplash of going from the NBA trade line to being like, will Sam Lafferty and Vladislav Gavrikov be moved? <laughs> it's my okay. favorite. Kevin Durant just got traded for four first-round picks at three in the morning. Yeah, but guys, can Sam Lafferty fetch a second and a prospect? That's the real – because – no, and my favorite is, like, everyone defending the owners. It's like, guys, but no one has any cap space. No one has cap space in the NBA. They either buy into the luxury tax or find a way to weasel around it. That's why, like, I don't give, like, everyone crapped on Tampa a couple years ago. No, no, they found a way to win. Like, Vegas should do it this year. They have, like, 11 mil on LTIR. Go use it all. And then Mark Stone comes back. <laughs> teams are terrified of like including other teams in the trade too, which is very strange because like all of these solutions, oh, you know, we can't move this because of so and so. You can easily fix that just by finding another team. Yep. Like I think teams are terrified of trading picks too. They're like, oh, 
do I want this first rounder or do I want mid six scorer who was five eleven? It's like I think I'd rather have a late first rounder. Like, yeah, like what are you doing? Kyle Dubas moment, by the way. That's him since the McFarlane trade. All right, guys, should I like go get Timo Meyer or like Taylor Hall or like any of these guys? Nah. Let me get Nick Foligno, and then I'm going to trade for Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell and call it a day. We'll call that a day. And yeah. then we're not going to do anything this year because, you know, we already Matthew know. Nyes is a, Matthew Dyes is coming. He's going to slide. Uh, you, you you will be surprised. Nyes is going to slide right into a top oh, six, just I as know. every other prospect in Leafs history has done. Under the Dubas <laughs> regime, they have a huge history of taking like prospects and putting right in their top six. Exactly. Just exactly. like Nick Robertson. It's great. Like, I'm so excited. And also, uh, like, I'm not speaking for the Leafs right now, but if you were going to make a go-for-it move, wouldn't a Matthew Nice or Timo Meyer trade make sense at one point? Because it's like they almost play the same style of game at times. Yeah. Meyer's You're a Fast-forwarding his development by, like, close to 10, five, like, 10 years or whatever. Yeah, so <laughs> a guy player. who, like, 99th percentile outcome is the player you are trading him for. <laughs> it's like... Oh, no, but I like the I like the box of magic beans more. Like it could be or like it could be a <laughs> it's that stupid family guy clip where he's got the box and he's like, but in the box could be a boat. Oh, you have and a boat, like, but the box could be anything. It could be a boat. Yeah. yeah every GM ever. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> and that was like, if anything, it's Ken Holland more than anything. Because guys, remember McDavid's gonna get 160 points, but we can't go for it. Sorry. Yeah, but Kyle Dubas is doing only pick and this deadline, and I'm not a fan of it at all. Right. So no. I think it is good to an extent to like build up your prospect pool, build up draft picks. But when you have guys like Austin Matthews, guys like Connor McDavid, that they're not getting any younger, they're starting to get down to the final couple of years of their contracts. You gotta make a move to really go all in, regardless of all the drafting. And sometimes you just gotta say fuck it and like, go for it. Like yeah, they haven't won it when they've gone for it the last couple of years, but Boston goes for it every year. Like traded a first for Rick Nash, traded a first for Andre Kasha once upon a time. Traded a first for Hampus Lindholm. Like, you gotta you gotta make moves eventually. Like, I, and if you don't, your competition will. They already started. So I think a lot of it ties into like drafting. They have to move picks because it's like how many how many teams like really value like Dmitry Ovchinikov? How many teams really value Ty Boyd? How many teams really value Nicholas Moldenhauer, Right? Like, they draft a specific type of player, and they've quickly learned that in a lot of ways, it, sometimes just picking the small skill guy doesn't work. I mean, they're having the issue with the Marlies right now, but they have a lot of these high skill guys that they can't put in consistently favorable offensive situations because they have so many of them. They have too many of them. And on top of that, that type of player is still undervalued by teams. So you have to move picks. Carolina is going to experience the same thing where they just pick like the hockey Twitter guy. And it's like, <laughs> most NHL teams haven't even heard of this kid. You aren't going to play anything for him. <laughs> They have the evolving wild graphs in their office. I'm posting the, <laughs> the RAPM chart and dropping the mic. That's all I'm doing. Oh, Don't sure. get me wrong. I respect I respect drafting like players who you think are highly skilled and you think you can develop, but you you have to find ways to kind of stagger things. You have to find ways to diversify the players that you have available. And so, you know, I think part of this is part of the Leafs' current decision making is a consequence of the assets that they thought they were accumulating not being as valuable and especially as impactful as they thought they were going to be at this time. I also, and like one thing for the Leafs that's unfortunate is if Nick Robertson was healthy, I had imagined he's a part of a trade at the deadline, but he's out for the rest of the year. So you can't trade an injured asset. That's because he's one of the only prospects I feel like that would have actual value. And no one's going to trade for a guy who's coming off of, I forget what injury he got, but he's out six months. That's all I know. So I don't know, but like I get, I get not wanting to give up on nice. Hundred percent get that because yeah. every time I watch Minnesota tape, this guy is just a dog on the puck. It's him, it's him, Cooley and Snuggerud. I'm pretty sure they're just wrecking havoc in Minnesota right now. But um, yeah, I'm actually watching. I was watching them this morning, uh, and it's it's Snuggerud is amazing. He was He's great like a play driver. Yeah, he was so good. And like the playmaking is is top end. Like he he's he's been the best player in all three games that I've watched so far. Mm-hmm. Out playing Cooley, he doesn't get the like, credit because Cooley's there. That's all it is. Like Cooley gets all the talk, but Snuggerud has been. I'm really mad that that prospect's in our division. Not a fan of that. Not a fan that he's on a, on a Blues prospect. That's well, I mean, both of them are Cooley and Snuggerud, but you know, I mean, yeah, but that's Arizona. That's different. Yeah. Like we both stink, we'll stink together. <laughs> like 
I'm not a real fool, so it's okay. You must have this many people in your arena to have an opinion. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Mitch, I wanted to ask. Uh, this is more more of a general question, I guess, just for any uh, any hockey fans looking to this draft, knowing what to expect. Um, and it may be a question that's a little too too far out, but are there any players you expect might fall out of the top ten that could kind of move into the late tens, late teens, twenties? And maybe any pick that might slip into the top ten that could surprise people. Not talking Mo Sire in twenty nineteen, but just you know, sneak into nine for people. Tyler Boucher in twenty twenty one. Top ten pick Tyler Boucher. All right. So guy who goes up, uh, Nate Danielson is an easy candidate, big center scores in the team that doesn't score. Colby Barlow, top ten. I mean that's that's just a, that looks like just a layup at this stage. He puts puck in net. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and it's not always exciting. Sometimes it doesn't even look that exciting. Sometimes it doesn't even look that NHL, but he's doing it. And so full credit to him. Guy who slips. I mean, Kristal is the is the obvious one. I don't think I don't think Benson is going to fall. I think Benson has like enough industry love that it's not going to matter too too much. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Edward Shawley fall, like late first round territory. Uh, you know, it's kind of like he's very skilled, but he doesn't care. He doesn't I was going to say the height kind of cooled off. He on gives him, up on plays all the time. He avoids contact sometimes. It's like, on one hand, you really think that it's going to improve just because, you know, he doesn't, wherever, where he is right now doesn't seem to be that interesting to him. Uh, but it's also terrifying that, you know, this is probably the most important season of your hockey career yep. and he's playing the way that he is. Uh, oh, another, another, another one who I think could go top 10 and we can talk about it if you guys want, uh, Samuel Hanzek. I would not be surprised if he's top mm -hmm. 12, maybe. Top half. Yeah, certainly. I could see that. Interesting. For sure. He, he should, he should be back soon. I Lind, Kristal, and Hanzek have all been out, and they're all back to day-to-day -to -day status. So I think we should see them relatively soon. Hanzek is like uh, – his edges are pretty refined for a guy that size. Like you see him like come in, like fake one way, go the other way, turning his hole, turning both feet. Um, he can be deceptive along the boards. He's very aggressive, like establishing body positioning, trying to bring the puck to the middle. You see flashes of playmaking, flashes of handling, flashes of legit – NHL shooting skill, like hands are always in the right place. Weight is always shifted, even before touching the puck. And as we see him get more and more comfortable in WHL, I really thought we were going to see him, instead of just trying to establish body positioning and then, uh, you know, skating into space, I thought we were going to try to see him skate through players and drive the slot more and more. That's going to mean more offense, can be more translatable. Then he got injured at the World Juniors. And so if he can do that, It'll be pretty justifiable to pick up top 15. I don't know if it would be for me, but the argument would be strong at least. Mm -hmm. For sure. I haven't I haven't heard that name as a riser, so I'll, I'll have to go look into more tape on him. So that's I'm very intrigued to see tape. While on you're there, check out, games. while you're checking out Vancouver, watch Jane Lipinski. He's six foot three, loves the heel to heel, good circling the offensive zone. He's a good example of what a player could be if they get more aggressive with the puck. Right now, he's mostly perimeter making low-value plays, but there's potential that he could be making high-value plays and create more chances. Mazden Leslie is just chaos. High-end <laughs> stuff, just awful stuff. You never know what you're going to get from him, but he's improved so much since he first came into the WHL. And Ty Halliburton. Whether they're good or bad, he makes plays. Yes. He's a mystery. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And Ty Halliburto, energy guy. Works real hard, very awkward stride, very low, hunched over, but plays fast, plays physical, uh, and he flashes better rush patterns. Like all three of those, yeah, they, they all look like draft picks this season. So those are all those are some guys I'm definitely watching out for. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll definitely look into them when I'm watching Vancouver uh, tape for sure. Um, I I had one more question, and it was a question from one of our uh, co-hosts, Jacob. He was asking about. Just kind of like, because from what we, everything we've heard about this draft class, extremely forward heavy. There's a decent amount of goalies, but the defenseman class in this is. He word for word said, what the hell is going on with the defenseman in this draft? Except asked it nicely. Yeah. I'm just like, because Cam Allen was at one point a first round pick, but now they're saying he could be a day two pick. Like, I don't, 
and he was originally like one of the highly touted defensemen. You have Lindstein, who has been kind of all over the place. Like, I'm just kind of curious as to maybe what your take are on this defenseman class. Yeah, it's weak. So, full disclosure, I've only seen Shimashev once. I haven't seen anyone in club play other than that one game of Shimashev. I've only seen the international. So, I can't speak for how good Reinbacher is in Switzerland. I can't speak for how good Sandin Pelik is oh, in Sweden and so on. But the from North America, it's all projects. Uh, Tanner Melendic could be the best defenseman from this draft if you could teach him how to manipulate. That seems unlikely, but maybe you could find some decent middle ground where he's a rush defender and a guy who likes to jump into the play. You can teach Lukas Dragosevic how to um, not skate like that and also to improve his defensive skating. The upside is huge. I mean, this is a guy who can manipulate opponents from the point. You see a lot of playmaking from him in flashes, the shot, the rush activation, the very abrasive defensive style. Caden Price has some insane flashes, but he's mostly just a rush defender, not unlike Melendic, but minus the elite skating. Uh, and then the development program is kind of, I think, a big X factor right now because you have former development program Hunter Brustovic, who mm -hmm. is in an interesting situation in Kitchener where they have a ton of talent, but they suck, which is hilarious because it would be great if they traded all that asset and didn't make the playoffs. But Ooh, that's how yeah. <laughs> But he has some real interesting flashes of like offense from the point, manipulation, give and go, like high level stuff, and the rush defense. He went from being a terrible rush defender to a very good one in just a season. So he's really on an upward trend. And then on the current development program, you have Aaron Minedian, who is very intelligent activator, but very awkward. And so that's really the theme of all of these guys is they all have one thing that they do well. Usually it's ideas. They have great ideas, but they lack something or some other that prevents them from fully executing. You don't have that very well-developed defenseman that you normally have from North America in this draft. Of course, you make up for with I see people talking now about how they don't think the draft is that deep. And it's like, there are like 70 guys from North America up front who I would draft. And I haven't even seen everyone yet. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a pretty deep group personally. But yeah, the forward depth definitely helps offset the, the, lack, of, the lack of defense. And of course, next year, next year, you're looking at some pretty exciting defense incoming with uh, the uh, Artem Lushuna, Henry Muse, who... Played, played a bit of forward for Ottawa, and he, and he was the best forward on Ottawa in one of these games as a 16-year-old. Uh, you also have Sam Dickinson, who was very excited, Aaron Kiviharyu, who was just, you know, the, the breakout master. So lots of talent to look forward to in the next draft. For sure. Yeah, the next couple – I feel like the next two or three drafts, like, we're just, I feel like every week I'm seeing a new name, and they're like, yep, this guy's scoring at, like – he's scoring at, like, a 50-goal pace in junior, and he's 15. Like, every time I hear a Michael Misa highlight, I'm like, oh, so 2025 is going to have stuff too. This is fun. Like, yeah, it just seems like it's nice class of young talent coming up the next couple years, which, like, yeah, definitely. I guess it was hard to gauge talent during the COVID years, but it just seems like – maybe a little more clear now. I don't know. <laughs> Players are getting so much better too. So like it's way easier to watch their draft minus one season and kind of figure out where they're going to be at. It used to be, there were so many guys in junior who weren't very good. They couldn't play at that level, but they had spots because of reasons that weren't necessarily pertaining to like actual skill level with the puck. Mm -hmm. um, and then the average technical level has improved so much. Like Connor McDavid versus Connor Bedard. It's a debate as to who is the better prospect. It is not a debate as to who is the more mechanically sound, more refined player in junior. Like Bedard blows him out of the water. Like McDavid didn't do, didn't have the deceleration, didn't have the shot, he didn't have. Like it's not, it's not a debate. But everyone else around has gotten so much better too. And so at some point, I'm sure things will slow down, maybe. But certainly. It makes it way easier. You look out, you look out like Charlie Ellick, Brandon Wheat King's defenseman, not scoring at all. One of the best draft minus one defenders I've seen in years. And it's like he's so refined, so mature, not in a Cam Allen way where he just plays a lot. He's actually like good. You know, you see him trying all sorts of complex, crazy moves. And it's like this guy can't score at all. If he was playing 10 years ago, he'd be a point per game 16 year old defenseman. So it's very cool to watch that evolution and how it pertains to the draft. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I always think it's interesting. Like, I feel like the one defenseman that was like, because I, I feel like when when you look at defenseman junior, you always look at their transition, you look at their skating, you look at their positioning and everything. But like, 
I gotta imagine it's hard to gauge like how to find a stalwart defenseman nowadays in the draft, just because, like, I feel like all the juniors junior offense just moves so fast. It's gonna be hard to find a guy who actually can shut down a junior line when they're dropping six seven goals a game. Like, I don't know. I'm just curious as to like how do you gauge as to like who's gonna be more of a like more of a puck mover, who's gonna be more of like a power play merchant, who's gonna be someone who you can actually put out there on the penalty kill. I'm just curious as to how you gauge that with some of the defensemen. Well, so with, with like projecting defense in particular, a lot of times it's more of a consequence of tools rather than like actual ability to like make stops mm-hmm. because you can have all the right habits and then you go to the NHL and you're like, I can't, I can't pivot. They, I, they just skate at me and then they beat me. And it's like, you had the, it's like this guy was a brick wall in junior. So a lot of it comes down to skating ability, uh, being able to like match opposing footwork. And especially if you're a high end guy, it's being able to control the footwork of the opponent. So, uh, Taren Melendic. Oh my God! I'm so saying this name today. Jesus Christ! Uh, Take a he, drink. <laughs> he, he's very good at this. Where he will backpedal, not by starting with a C cup, but by starting with like this. Not by starting with a bunch of C cups, with a bunch of really explosive crossovers. Take away the middle. So then he is now in control of that one-on-one. He's in the middle. The attacker has to go wide. He then comes across or he pivots and then uses heel pushes to angle. So they're both skating in the same direction, both forwards, and then slowly takes away their space. So little things like that are kind of what you're looking for, being able to like dictate actions defensively, even if they're not necessarily the right actions, because you can always teach players like if they do this thing in the right position, uh, or if they do this thing in the right way, but not in the right position, it's very easy to like be like, okay, here's where you should be doing this thing. Here's what you should be looking for in this specific moment. And then they will figure it out over time. And then as for like puck moving, the easiest way I would say to look at puck moving uh, as it pertains to like projecting to the NHL is not to like how many controlled breakouts do they make as opposed to dump outs, but more of the quality of plays that they're trying to create. So it's okay to dump the puck at a lot. Like Luke Hughes is just dumps the puck out like an endless barrage, but he has some insane high end plays on in transition, right? Mm-hmm. Where he like gets the puck, draws in the first four checker, looks off where he's eventually going to go and then passes through them. So you're looking more for ability to draw pressure, weaponize it, and then be able to beat opponents, whether that's with your hands or preferably being able to pass through them. With power play guys, it's pretty simple. Just sort the league by power play score and then be like, well, this guy's a fraud. <laughs> Can't score on a stack power play? All right, well, we just won't put them there in the future. <laughs> well, the, ba- the, bad, the bad sign is when they only score on the power play and you're like, oh, boy, this, this, is, this is not looking too good for him in the future. Because if you take away that power play time, this is the constant thing with, like, overage defensemen too. Mm-hmm. They'll score a lot. And it's like, I don't project this guy to pay, play power play. 70% of his points are on the power play. I therefore cannot project him to be any good in the professional level. So, <laughs> at least offensively. For sure. I appreciate you for answering that question. Thank you. Um, Pierce, what else? You got anything else? Uh, not really, no. I, I think we kind of – well, you asked that uh, Twitter question that Jacob had, so I'm going to kind of ask a few more and then we can end it off. So um, we got a question here about Frank Nazar, which is funny because I sent out to the, the, the tweet on, I think it was Thursday we were supposed to do the show, but we rescheduled it for today. And he asked, we know he likes Frank Nazar. Does he think near, missing nearly his whole D plus one year changes highest ceiling of the 2022 draft view? And obviously in the, the few days since we were supposed to have the show to now, like Frank Nazar has now played his first two college games. He looked solid in his first game. And then in the second game, he scored his first goal and then got an assist on the overtime goal. So what do you, what do you, do you still hold that view of Frank Nazar of having the highest feeling of the 2022 draft? Certainly. I don't think much has changed. Uh, Cooley has closed the gap a little bit. Your check has closed the gap a lot, but I think, it's probably still Nazar. The injury plays a huge factor. Like, don't get me wrong, but if we're going to consider injuries, then we should probably consider the environment that he's playing in. And he is in the most favorable environment a prospect could be in. He's at the University of Michigan team that is the most tactically advanced offensive team outside the NHL, certainly top, like, five if you include NHL teams. The, he's going to have a ton of freedom, a ton of creativity. The recruiting classes are strong throughout. He's going to have a ton of talent around him at all times. And you add in the fact that he's so explosive, so dynamic, that even if 
say he loses 5% of his explosiveness because of the injury, it's not going to really matter that much, I don't think. Like, he's not a guy who's just barely getting by. He's a guy who's creating advantages for himself in every single five touch. So, yeah, I still think it's Nazar. Cooley, let's close the gap. Yershek, let's close the gap. Wright's still right. I mean, nothing <laughs> too interesting to say about him that we haven't already said before. Gotcha. The next question, I think you briefly brought him up, but where do you think the top Russians like Simashev and Goleyev get drafted? Is there a chance they slip out of round one? Uh, I have no idea. I'm going to say there's a chance that people in the NHL have never heard of Dmitry Shimashev or Gulia, but someone will eventually pound the table and they'll get picked somewhere in between 1 and 60, would be my guess. Shimashev is a weird one, right? Because he's gigantic and he's slow fluid. Like, I watched one game just because David St. Louis was like, you need to watch him, you need to watch him, you need to watch him. Tell me I'm not crazy. And I'm like, you are crazy, but perhaps not for this reason. Because the whole league, he is so exciting. Like, the fluidity, the tools, the way that he's able to break down opposing players. And, yeah, I mean, it's very exciting. I, You'd hope that he would score a little bit more, but scoring in Russia is always so weird. Like, especially with defensemen, they don't really let them play offense. And when they do, they usually play this kind of, like, weirdly disconnected offense where they just kind of do what they want and the forwards just kind of do what they want. And so there's no cohesion. There's no support. It's It's very odd. But yeah, both of those guys are probably going to go first, I would guess. But I, I, like, I have no way of knowing. Um, and we, again, we we're kind of talking about it earlier. Where does Connor Bedard rank amongst the top CHL prospects in the field? And I think you know the answer. The top CHL players of what? Since since McDavid got drafted. Since McDavid got drafted. Um, in terms of like actual technical ability and like player like who is the best player it's mcdavid or it's, it's bedard sorry like he's the best player by a pretty comfortable margin i mean but you could also argue that lafreniere was a better player coming out of junior than mcdavid was just because the era was so different you know what was what worked and what didn't was so different and of course that doesn't make him a better prospect mcdavid had the the two most important things that you could probably have he had the elite skating and the elite handling so his head was never down he was always looking around the ice, always moving, elite speed. And then once he learned how to decelerate in the NHL, he totally took control of the game. So I would say in terms of the CHL prospects, just considering the prospect status of things, he's number two. He's not quite McDavid level, but he's he's closer to McDavid than anyone else is to him. And there's a real chance that he still could be best player in the NHL, especially given his development. Like he figured out something that took Nathan McKinnon and McDavid a long time to learn. Like, it took McKinnon, like, five years to learn how to play the delay game in the NHL. It took it took McDavid a season and a half to learn how to do it. But Dard did it in his draft year. While becoming a more effective finisher, an even better shooter, a better defensive player, and, like, everything about his game has taken such a huge step that I wouldn't put it past him to become best player in the NHL, but as it pertains to who's coming out of the league at what, just a little bit behind McDavid as a prospect. Just a little bit. Um, there's like a couple questions. Like it's very, very broad in general. It's like, oh, who's the most underrated prospect in the draft? Who's a steal? But there's a question. Uh, <laughs> thoughts on Parker Bell of the Tri-City Americans? Oh, this is a good one. Yeah. So Parker Bell was kind of this weird, lumbering, awkward forward who just randomly out of nowhere would be like, oh, yeah, this is this toe drag. I'm just going to break this guy's ankles and then attack the middle. He's very cool to watch. And I think this season he's really kind of figured out how to be an effective offensive force. So it's not necessarily about like being a dynamic transition guy. He tends to move the puck earlier than he used to. It's more about knowing how to get open and how to best play to his style of game. So like he's he's good at shooting, he's good at getting open, and he has good hands in tight. Not necessarily good hands to like beat opponents, but he can like adapt the puck to the stick that's in front of him and shoot around it or under it. And he's really started to figure that side of the game out. So he's exciting to watch. I think an overage season might do him well. Um, but, you know, he, he's still tracking as a solid NHL prospect. I don't know if he's a guaranteed NHL player, but someone who I think probably gets games and definitely is able to kind of step in, score a little bit in two years in the AHL, provided he gets that overage season. Gotcha. <laughs> I have to ask: Is are the Seattle Thunderbirds right now the most stacked team you've ever seen in the CHL? Or and if even if they aren't, like where do they rank up to some of the great teams you watch? Because 
How many first rounders do they have on a team and potential first rounders going forward? If not first rounders, like second round or third round, like they're just they're just loaded. They're far and away the best team in the CHL right now. Yeah, so I mean the, the talent is insane. I mean we're looking if everyone is healthy, we're looking at a real chance that Grayson Souchin is their fourth line center. Um, so <laughs> just just in insanity, like. Or Jordan Gustafson, like one of the four best defensive forwards in the WHL is the fourth line center. So like, you know, the, the depth here is astronomical and the defense is very creative. And Seattle plays this game that's very focused about stretching the ice. So the defensemen get the puck and then they have to manipulate the incoming forecheck and then pass to a team and moving up the ring. So obviously, Kamloops, the forecheck heavy team that's very good at getting the puck off the walls, beating teams, pulling them in zone. Uh, they're a perfect foil for them. But as for how they stack up to the rest of the teams, yeah, they might be in terms of like pure NHL talent, the most stacked junior team we've seen since 2015, 16, the London Knights. Yeah. Borak. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough question to answer because I don't have everything in front of me, obviously, but they're certainly looking like the best. The Erie Otters, like 2017, they had Dylan Strom to bring it, and even though McDade, like they they've had players go through their system, and they I think they had Taylor Radish, like they had a fairly good team back then as well. So, but yeah, I just think in pure NHL talent, I don't know if I've ever seen a an NHL or a WA or CHL team or junior team really for that matter that stacked it's just crazy the amount of talent they have from top to bottom not just forwards but defensemen and even goaltending too they just kept adding too like Lambert came back and then they got Gunther and it was just like they don't need more but I guess we'll give them more <laughs> like it's there were like every time I get a chance to watch Thunderbirds highlights the last couple of weeks it's been just like it's got to be a track meet every time you watch this team. There's flying up and down the ice. <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're, they're insane to watch. Like, <clears throat> it's really interesting to see how much emphasis and how much weight they put on their defensemen to, like, move the puck. So someone like Kevin Korczynski is going to look worse at points because of his – he's evasive but not necessarily explosive, and he also has some issues managing pressure sometimes. So, like, the plays that he makes – oftentimes aren't going to be the plays he's going to have to make in the NHL, right? Because it's very rare that an NHL team is going to put that much weight into their defensemen making, you know, breaking down an entire forecheck, basically like Seattle asks them to do. So it, it's, they're super cool. And again, that can loops that, that what is tracking a, to be the, the conference finals matchup. You know, there are two teams that are built to play against each other. This is like cloud. This is like vintage Edmonton oil Kings, Portland Winterhawks, like two teams that have intentionally built themselves to beat the other team and then you have to go through like winnipeg after that again and that's going to be super interesting to see if anyone is still alive on a, on the winning team out of the west <laughs> gonna be like it's gonna be like the playoffs the last couple of years the real matchup's gonna happen a couple rounds prior where they're beating up on each other and then yeah. just all gas come the final and winnipeg's gonna pick on the week i guess <laughs> i mean winnipeg's got a great team too though so that's it's nothing against them it's just there's levels of this shit in Seattle's team. And like, and I love the talent that Kamloops has too. Cause like, I, that's where like Stankovin is too, right? Like they, they play tremendous. I don't. Their, their team, their team is ridiculous. I mean, they have, they, uh, they traded, they, they could have traded away more than Caden Hamill, who's a decent defenseman at 05, but solid prospect as well for the upcoming draft. Uh, but instead they decided to do Hamill and picks to get Zellweger. So they have the most dynamic defenseman in the WHL. Kyle Masters has turned into a real point-producing guy, largely on the power play, but you still see some incredible transition and breakout stuff from him. And then that top, that top nine is ridiculous. I mean, Matthew Semenov, this is not like Matthew Semenov, very intelligent. Fraser Minton can really shoot at physical guy. Bankier and Kufler are both like very aggressive guys along the boards, love to bring the puck to the middle and attack. And then Ryan Hofer is just the ultimate example of big guy who likes to work inside. So, you know, they're a team that is just built to wear teams down, attack the middle. And uh, I'm very excited to see what they can do, especially because they don't even have Jakob Demich back. So he played for the oil Kings. They traded a first for him. And he's another one of these guys who like all, I just said the same player over and over again, but with a different name, he is the same thing. So, when he gets back in that lineup, that Cantaloupe's team is going to be real scary. I, I wouldn't want to be up against them for sure. No. 
that's going to be just a tremendous playoff series to watch. I got to make sure I can catch a couple of those games when they, if they end up crossing past in the playoffs, because who knows, maybe a team gets upset, but it's junior. That usually doesn't happen. Um, yeah. I, ho- I hope Portland, like I like Portland, but please Portland, just leave, just stay out of this. Please let, let us, let us have the clash of the Titans, please. <laughs> like don't pull a Montreal and rob us of Matthews versus McDavid when they basically gift wrapped two years ago. Like, let's not have one of those happen again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's pretty much all I got to ask. I don't know if you guys have anything else to add or we can wrap this up just a little, little under an hour. I pre- wait, we really appreciate you coming on for sure. It's yeah. always super informative. Like, yeah, I say this with every prospect person that comes on. Like, we've had great guests from, like, around the sport of hockey, but I feel – when you cover prospects for hockey, like that's the niche of the niche. So you have to know, you have to know your shit. So whenever we have, we have you on Mitch or we have like Brock on Mateen scout. We've had like Chris Peters and Will scout, like they all know you all, all you guys know your shit. So we always love having you come on and just talk and shutting us up and listening to you the whole time. What you have to say as opposed to us. <laughs> Thanks for having me on guys. I really appreciate it. It's always a blast. Of course. Well, when we had you on, I think it or the first time it would have been early September. Now we're in February, and if we do another few months, like it's gonna be close to the draft soon. We're getting seems a bit away, but it's gonna it's gonna be we're gonna be in Nashville sooner than sooner than you think it will be. So mm-hmm. yeah, thanks yeah, for coming we're on, Mitch. Draft guy soon. Like, Sorry, we're starting the draft guy soon in a couple weeks. Gonna start right. like, here we go. Wait, what, like wait, what website could you potentially find that on? Uh, when, it, when it comes out in in early June. You can find it on EliteProspects.com ringside.com. The draft guide will be included in the subscription price. You just pay the subscription. You get the draft guide. It's going to be great. And on top of that, you get to read all of my written work. Oh, and our YouTube page is free, actually. We have a lot of great YouTube videos. We had one on Lane Hudson come out recently. Uh, we're preparing for all the draft breakdowns now. The first one, I think, from my end will probably be Tanner Melendic. What? Uh, <laughs> Yes. Can't escape him. <laughs> I could, yeah. I was looking at it. I was like, who can I reasonably make my first video on? And it's like, this is the guy I've seen the most other than Medard. So this is the guy I'm going to have to make the video on. I'll just put like a very clickbaity title on it, like how Tanner Melinda could become the next Kale Mahar. <laughs> and then just have like, like, the best class. That'll get yeah. all the clicks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, might, I might do, I might do, actually, in all seriousness, I might do how Melinda can become. The, that the draft's best defenseman because like if there is a path there with that skating ability you just mm-hmm. hope that everything else come there and then i'll also use that same title for luka kegnani uh kaden Ryan Bacher. The next most cider here we go yes exactly. <laughs> yes exactly just have these like very loosely related players to one another it's like two big arrows uh, shocked face in the middle just <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly just, top four pick like, that's all it's gonna is be. Brian Letter the next Eric Lindro slash Mario Lemieux? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Matt Bay Mitchkoff out of the first round? No, just <laughs> Yes, the, the Mitchkoff hate was getting kind of funny. I was going on Twitter all the time. Just be like, oh, Matt Bay Mitchkoff, this, he's an idiot because he takes a low percentage shot when he has no passing options. It's like, who cares? When you can shoot like that, who gives a crap? Like, yeah, it, I, yeah. I love that he's actually getting ice time now and producing. So it's like, oh, it's crazy. The top talent, when he's not getting buried on the fourth line, can actually produce. That's crazy to me. I don't know. Like, But uh, I heard he was other, a plus. So, you know. My, my other favorite one was that he flies the zone often. And it's like the weak side winger on his VHL team always flies the zone. He, this is, he just does it more because he's better. Sorry, <laughs> like, guys. Like, oh, it works. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like I have concerns about Mishkov just like everyone else. I have concerns about everyone. Fantilli, Bedard, maybe not Bedard so much, but like everyone else <laughs> in the draft. Eighteen-year-old junior players. None of them are perfect, but their yeah. skills outweigh some of their bad habits. Most of them. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, you start. We're at the stage of now the draft cycle where people will be like, Connor Bedard said that was was it was selfish when he said that actually he didn't want to talk about records. Or Connor people or Connor Bedard's teammates hate him because I have a friend of a friend who who works as an usher in the Calgary Hitman's arena. And they heard from a fan that Connor Bedard's teammates don't like him. Uh, yeah, this, from this a guy is, who knew a guy that knew this other guy. <laughs> this, like is the most gra- uh, also, this is the most grating part of the draft cycle for sure. 
So I'm just going to try not to be permanently online and try to refine my opinions as much as possible for the next time I'm on PJ's cast. <laughs> Definitely. Well, yeah, thank thanks, you so much for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thanks again. for coming on, Mitch. We, we really appreciate it. And do you have another podcast to do, or is this the last stop? <laughs> I have an interview later today. Oh. So, yeah. All right. Well, take again, care, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Have a great day. <laughs> this time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change if it's something you use every day. Like my Raycons. Raycon is a premium auto at the perfect price point so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycons start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than what you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. Here are some of the features of the Raycons. Three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, as well as water and sweat resistant. Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off.